Hello, everybody. It's good to see you uh, tonight. Today is a very, very special day. It's Palm Sunday. And as I say it's Palm Sunday, a bunch of us are like, oh, it is. I didn't know it was Palm Sunday, or I don't even know what Palm Sunday is. So uh, how come that's important? I don't get it. And so if you're in that, that boat of I didn't even have a clue it was Palm Sunday, or I don't know what Palm Sunday is, or I don't know what, how to practice Palm Sunday, you're in good company because the people in the Bible who experienced Palm Sunday for themselves probably did not have a clue it was, in fact, Palm Sunday or what was going on at all. And it's like, so whenever I think about Palm Sunday, I see it just happening on the fly with a whole bunch of people who don't understand what is happening. It seems like my daily life. It just goes by the fly and I don't know what is happening. Just the other day on Sunday day afternoon, I took my family to go see the Globetrotters, right? And the Globetrotters, so I saw them kind of as a kid. And I remember just thinking of how fantastic it had been. My grandparents took me to go see them. And it's like a basketball team, but they're not a basketball team. They entertain, they, they do all these tricks, but they play a game against a team that isn't actually an actual basketball team. And the whole thing is choreographed. It's good against bad. It's the entertainment factor. And so I brought my whole family to go see the Globetrotters. And they were phenomenal. Like they, they told the best jokes and they had the best tricks and it was awesome. But the thing that I thought was brilliant had been my kids had no idea the whole thing was planned out. Like they, they just thought they were the best basketball team on the planet and they were in. And like, so every time they scored a basket and did this huge flip, like my son would jump, you know, kind of out of his seat and, and cheer and like, yeah, it's awesome. And, and kind of each time there was a how that caused something horrible to happen. He actually cried during the game. He's like, that's not fair. And in my head, I'm like, it's planned. And so, but, but I also saw the more that I got into it, the more he got into it. And the more I clapped, the more my family clapped. And so, and so because I enjoyed his experience so much, I played along. And so, and then I started to pay attention to, to all the other families and people there, they were doing the same thing. Like they're, they're just playing along because they want their kids to buy into this thing that that actually isn't even happening. It's not even, it's a joke, right? And so, but, but, but the parents are all in and the dads are trying to be supportive, but it's super awkward. And the moms are clapping along and the kids are just, it's exciting and it's good. And I was proud of my son. And, and then I saw like a, a older couple across from us who were there by themselves. And, and they weren't typically participating, but you could tell they were here because they were supposed to be. Like, they've kind of always gone. Or it was just like, I don't understand the thing that's happening here. And then, but then the basketball team, that they score this huge point at the end. Kind of people are pumped and clapping. And it was just like this posture that the whole people had that I thought, it's kind of 
like church. Like if, if, if so I had this idea in my head, I'm like, it's kind of like how people act in church. And I started to think about like my own family or families that I've seen or that I know that, that in the back of our heads, it's kind of like, I'm not sure if I actually think kind of everything that's being talked about is true or not, but it's important to be here. Or I'm not sure I actually believe this, but she b- believes this, so I'm here to support her. Or I- I'm not sure if you know, I'm supposed to be in or she's supposed to be in, but our kids are supposed to be here because I grew up in church, and church is important to our family. So I'm here for the kids. And if the kids are excited, then I'm excited. I'm going to clap along. I'm going to play along. But if I start to actually think about things that I believe, what is it that I personally believe? And do I actually believe the things that are happening? Do we actually have time to think about the things that we personally believe? Because we're so hung up on on kind of everything that's happening in our spouse and our kids, and we have to believe because our spouse has to believe, our kids have to believe, and this is on our shoulders. And I started to think about that at the Harlem Globetrotters basketball, and I had this like holy experience of like, oh God, thanks for convicting me. What do I believe? And so, so, so I'm going to kick off a sermon series today called Christ. It's simple, right? Christ. Simplicity. We're going like simple tonight. We're talking about Christ. Who is he? Why is he the harpy of Christianity? Christ. Uh, What is it that we believe about Jesus? And do we believe in him at all? And so if you're in that spot that says, I don't know if I believe or not, or what I believe or who he is, that's fantastic. The people on Palm Sunday had been pretty unsure also. And so today we're going to talk about who Christ is as king. That's the topic for today, Christ as king. And so on Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday is all about Christ being coronated as king. It's people saying, oh, here he is. He's riding into Jerusalem. It's this coronation of Christ as king. And so the text that we're going to be talking from today is going to show up here on the screen and We're going to actually um, go through this together as a congregation. This is uh, the typical Palm Sunday uh, passage. So here, here we go. Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, Say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus. All right, so, so off the bat, we have this super cool passage about how Christ tells his disciples, go and get a donkey. He hops on the donkey. He comes you know, into Jerusalem. People have palm branches. Hooray, okay? I grew up kind of in the church. And I've heard this story lots of times, and that's the thing I picture, like Palm Sunday. Hooray, right? But if you are a Hebrew person hearing the story of Palm Sunday, that's not the thing you hear. You don't hear hooray. You hear something else. Context for the Bible is very important. To put passages in context so you can understand them, how they're supposed to be understood. The story of Palm Sunday is dripping with beautiful, beautiful things that we often just pass over. It's important to put things in context. For instance, so if I said the term um, Omaha, people would think of a city in, in Nebraska, right? You don't ever want to go there. It isn't that great. But if, but if I took the same term and went Omaha, Right? The first thing that pops in our head is Peyton Manning, Super Bowl football, the Broncos kicking butt, right? I mean, there's a phenomenal thing. It's the same term, but put in different contexts. Context in the Bible is important because so often we open the Bible and we see this passage on Palm Sunday, we just hear Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. I'm like, eh. Right? But when a Hebrew person would see this passage or the people on Palm Sunday would experience this passage, the thing that they're hearing is Omaha, 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 like Super Bowl, right? So we want to go into this passage as if we're approaching the Super Bowl. Like, like there is so much here. And furthermore, that's how the whole Bible is. Whenever you start to go into context, it's Omaha, you know, like it's, it's just awesome. So the first thing um, to t talk about as far as context is what are the things that are happening before this passage? And tell me what are the things that are happening after this passage? Before the triumphal entry happens, here's the thing that happens. Christ just brought his best friend back from the dead, right? He just came back from the dead. This was a huge thing. Someone just came back from the dead. And then after he brought his best friend back from the dead, he gets anointed, you know, by the girl who had the bottle of perfume. So he brings someone back from the dead. He's anointed with perfume. And then the story of the triumphal entry happens, the story of Palm Sunday. So he brings someone back from the dead. Then he's anointed. Then the triumphal entry. So what happens after this? Just to put it in context, he goes into the temple and starts turning over tables. 
right? It's the cleansing of the temple. It's when he's like, yeah, let's do this, you know? And so, so he brings someone back from the dead. He's anointed with perfume, triumphal entry with the donkey, palm branches, cloaks on the ground, goes in the temple, turns over tables. There's a lot happening in context. So th- that's what happens before and after. Jesus is on a donkey coming in. He's on a quote, coming in. Um, and, and there are palm branches coming in. Whenever you put yourself inside that context of Palm Sunday, it's okay to say, I don't know what is happening here because the context is so big. In fact, the 12 disciples of Christ didn't even have a clue the things that, that, that were happening here. In fact, so if you go to John 12, here's, here's how, it, how it talks about the reaction that the 12 disciples disciples had. At first, his disciples did not understand, help me out here, all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So you have this whole thing playing out. You have the donkey, the palm branches, the cloaks, and the disciples are confused. And then they go, oh, right? Oh, and then it points back to some things had been spoken about him that popped into their heads. Like, how cool would that be? Like, to be like, man, this is crazy. What's happening? These people are, you know, palm branches and cloaks and donkey. And then like, oh no, like, could it be, you know, like type of thing. And so, so what are the things that had been said about him that the disciples began to connect the dots? What are the things? There's this prophecy by the prophet Zechariah that he said, here we go. Help me out with this one. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So, so whenever you see this passage, this prophecy, it's important to think context, context, context. And so the context of this prophecy is picture yourself kind of in a time when poverty is everywhere. Picture yourself in a time um, that, that people are unsure about the future. Picture yourself in a time um, that the, the economy is very unstable and people are terrified of what's going to happen. Picture yourself in a time um, that kings and queens are constantly changing and people are not sure who is going to be in charge of the country. Picture yourself in a time that there seems to be so much uncertainty about who you are and who your country is. And this is a time that that the prophet Zechariah says to the people, it's okay. There's a king coming and he will be humble and he'll bring peace and he will be the Messiah. It's okay. He will be the king over kings. It's okay. Don't worry. The, The kings and queens and Caesars and Greek and Persians, they're not that important. There's the king of kings coming. Hold on, he'll be coming in a donkey, right? And so so the people of Jerusalem, the Israelites, are people who are always under oppression. They're always owned by somebody else. They're always being conquered by the Assyrians, the Persians, the the Greeks, the, the 
Romans. They're always occupied. And so they held on to this passage of there's the Messiah coming. He'll be coming on a donkey. He'll be the Prince of Peace. It'll be awesome. But it hasn't ever happened. Right? So all of a sudden, here comes Jesus coming, coming down the center of Jerusalem on a donkey, and people start cutting palm branches from trees and, and waving them and putting them before Christ. And the disciples were like, what is happening? What's all this hubbub? I like that word. What's all this hubbub that is happening? And it's like, oh, this prophecy that was prophesied like 700 years ago. Could this be it? Could this be it? Oh, this is awesome. Because he's coming in on this donkey. And why is a donkey important? A donkey is like a car, right? It's like a car. It's, it's, it's kind of an expression of who you are. And he isn't coming in, you go in a Porsche or a BMW or something awesome. He's coming in in a Kia or, or something that's like says, you know, it gets the job done. And so he's coming in on this donkey that says, I'm humble. It's coming in on this donkey that says there's more important things than the BMW. He's coming in on this donkey that's a symbol of peace compared to this symbol of I'm going to conquer and cause things to get done. He's coming in on a donkey, a Cult and and why is it important that that they add the um, the identity of a cult? The cult is a donkey also that hasn't ever been broken or trained before. It has not been taught how to carry anyone. A cult, it's it hasn't been owned. It doesn't have a it hasn't been owned. It hasn't been broken. It hasn't been trained. So if you're poetic here, he's riding on a donkey that hasn't been broken, hasn't been trained, hasn't been owned. He's carrying the, the image of humility and peace that has never been owned, has never been bought, never been trained, never been taught how to. The world has not experienced this type of power before. It hasn't been trained yet. It has not been experienced, this type of humility. And here comes Jesus coming down the center of the road on this donkey, this awesome, you know, coming down. People are cutting palm branches, putting it before the donkey. And so, so in this idea of trying to find context, 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 because I'm obsessed with the idea of context because it just brings everything to life. I've been trying to find really hard um, the Hebrew origins of the palm branches because surely there's a cool story behind it. There's a story behind everything. And so, so I was trying really hard to find the palm branches. Tell me the origins of palm branches. I'm talking to everybody and there aren't any. Like there aren't good things that about the Hebrew culture that hold the palm branches. And it was, it was really bothering me. And I just thought, you know, I could try harder to, to find things about the palm branches, but I couldn't find anything because the palm branches aren't Hebrew at all. Um, the, the palm branches are Greek and they are, are Roman. They're not Hebrew at all. They are Greek and they are Roman. And in the Greek context, the palm branches are a symbol of a 
king. In the Greek context, these are symbols of conquering and peace that happens after. In the Greek and Roman context, these palm branches say king of kings. In the Greek and Roman context, these palm branches say king of kings. They would actually call Caesar king of kings. And the Caesar had these crowns of palm branches. The palm branches are Greek and Roman in context. These Jewish people who aren't Greek or Roman are holding palm branches in their hands, proclaiming king of kings. Do you see what's happening here? This is is heavy. There's politics happening here. There's upheaval happening here. They are carrying the image of Greece and the image of the Roman Empire that that the empire would do whenever Caesar would come into town, carrying these palm branches, king of kings, king of kings. And here is Jesus coming down the road. They take the same thing. And they say, king of kings, king of kings. They don't take the Hebrew image. They take the Greek and the Roman image. This is interesting because they believed he is going to be this physical king that's going to overthrow the empire. They believe their time is now. The iron is hot. He cares about poverty. He cares about the place that the temple is in. He cares about, about the future of our children. He cares about Jerusalem. He cares about about all these things. He cares. He's a physical king, king of kings, the palm branches. The palm branches are dripping with symbolism. To summarize, the palm branches promote the idea of a physical king and a physical kingdom, a, a, a king who cares about his people, a king who cares about his kingdom, a king who cares about who people are physically. But the thing whenever you start to talk about Palm Sunday that you often don't think about are the passages about the people who put down the the cloaks in front of the donkey. You don't think about the cloaks that go down because the palm branches get everything. That's why it's called Palm Sunday. But there's something else that happens in the same story is as the donkey is coming, these palm branches are being put before him and like, it's awesome. And there are people at the same time, they're taking off their cloaks and putting it before the donkey. And there actually is a ton of Hebrew symbolism here that is beautiful. And I'm really excited to share it. So, so you actually don't think that there's a ton of stuff happening here because of course I'm gonna pull off a cloak and put it before Naki, right? No, this is uncommon. This is very, very rare. And the Hebrew people, they didn't do this that often. The practice of taking off a cloak and putting it before a king is very rare, and it goes back to a practice that had begun in Second Kings. And so if you go home tonight and pull up uh, the b- book of Second Kings, go to um, chapter n- 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 9, thank you. Um, go to chapter 9, it is brilliant, and it talks about this king whose name is King Jehu, King Jehu, his name, if you just 
translated, it means Jehovah is God. Okay, King Jehu. And so, 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 so 2 Kings chapter 9 kind of talks about King Jehu and how he became king. He became king during the time of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, they are just horrible people. They are, they're evil, they're corrupt, and they're just doing everything horrible. And so, so God sees his kingdom. He sees Queen Jezebel. He says, she sees King Ahab, and he goes, oh, no, uh And so then he calls upon this guy whose name is Jehu, and he sends a prophet to anoint him as king, to anoint him as king. And he's poor, and he has this soldiers by him. And as soon as he is anointed king, uh, the soldiers then take off cloaks and put it before King Jehu, that he then goes on before he conquers King King Ahab. He actually shoots an an arrow through his heart. Like, I love that because I shoot a bow. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. And so this person of God, he's a... They put down his cloaks. He goes on them. I am king. Shoots Ahab. And then he kills Queen Jezebel. And then he cleanses the, the whole city of Jerusalem. He turns the, um, the pagan temples into public bathrooms. Like, that is awesome. Like, there are all these public, um, like, pagan temples, and he turns them into public bathrooms. Like, these are for everybody, you know? And then he cleanses the temple. He purifies it. And King Jehu is known as someone who brought purity back. He's seen as someone who brings cleansing back. And so whenever... The, the idea of the cloaks are put before a king or a high priest. It's this idea of he's going to be a cleanser. He's going to bring purity back. He's bringing God back. Jehu means Jehovah is God. It's awesome. So let's put this back in context. So we have this guy riding on a donkey, son of God. It's his status symbol. It's saying humility and power, untrained, unbroken, peace is coming. I have not been owned. I have not been bought. Coming down, people are cutting these palm branches and proclaiming king of kings. These are the the, the images of Greece and Rome. He is a physical king who cares about our kids, who cares about our poverty, who cares about Jerusalem, who cares about our churches, who cares about our theology. Like he is king and palm branches. And then you have people taking off their cloaks and putting it before the donkey saying he will purify and, and he will cleanse the temple and he will bring hope and, and he will bring God back to Jerusalem. Is it to any wonder in context, the thing that he does directly after the triumphal entry is he goes to the temple and turns over the tables. He cleanses the temple. Like in context, this is beautiful. And is it to any wonder that before the triumphal entry, he gets his feet anointed with the perfume? You know what I'm saying? He was anointed like King Jehu. And so he's coming in these images of a hope and power and beauty. So the, the question to me, that you have to come to is you have the image of the palm branch that says, you know, he is king and, and he, he is this physical 
king with a physical kingdom and he's bringing hope to us here and today. And then you have these people who are putting down their cloaks and pretty much saying he is a spiritual king who is here for salvation and cleansing the temple. And he is a spiritual king who cares about our hearts and future generations of spirituality. So I'm often someone who says, so is it over here or is it over here? Is he a king who is a physical king who cares about poverty and war? Is he a physical king who cares about about food and and taking care of his people? Does he care about the educational systems, our economy, our kids? Or is he a spiritual king who just cares about salvation and purity and purifying the temple and the direction we're going as a church, a kingdom, Jerusalem? What is it? The, the answer is yes, he is Jehovah's king, right? The answer is yes. So is he this or is he this? Stop it. Yes, he's both. That's why on Palm Sunday, you have both. There's the cloaks, there's the palm branches and people are going, he is the king of kings. He is the king of kings, the king over the kings because he can be both. He is both. The problem is, is that we as people have a hard time embracing both. We have a really hard time embracing both. It's easy and it's good sometimes to just pick kind of the spiritual king. Like like Jesus, he's here for our hearts and he's here so we don't have to go to hell and he's here to save us and he's here so we can have Bible stories studies over and over again. And he's here for our spirituality and he's here to help us grow spiritually. Or we pick, he's here so we can be good people. He's here so we don't have to be in pain. He's here to give us things to do and tell us how to be fully alive. Or we go back here and say, so yeah, he's here for the spiritual. And if we put our faith in him and our trust in him, you know, then that's all we have to have. But if you forget that part of it, our externals are dying. Our internals are, the internals are hopeful, but our externals, things are falling apart. And so we often hold on to our faith, but we forget that he's the king of our economy. He is the king of our kids. He is the king of our finances. He is the king of our future. He is the king of all those other things. Right? But if we only embrace Jesus, the king of the spiritual, we're never going to embrace Jesus, the king of the physical. On the other end of the spectrum, we have those of us who are all about Jesus, the king of the physical. He gives us great things to do. And and so whenever we embrace Jesus, the king of the physical, we do everything by the book and we are awesome but our hearts are often cold and ugly, right? It's like, ah, why do I feel dead inside? Because you forgot Jesus, the king of the spiritual. So for some of us today to embrace Palm Sunday, it's to say, I've been embracing the palm branch. I need to put down the cloak, you know? I've been embracing the king of the physical. I have not embraced the king of the spiritual. My heart has not experienced Christ. Or for some of it, I've been putting down the cloak, but I've not picked up the palm branch and proclaimed king of kings. For some of us, 
to embrace Palm Sunday, it's to say, instead of he's the king of the spiritual or he's the king of the physical, it's just to proclaim, yes, yes, on Palm Sunday, that's what's happening. People are proclaiming yes to Jesus. And that sounds hokey, but it's really true. That's what's happening in context. That's Omaha, you know? Yeah. (sighs) So how does that affect anything? I mean, like, so what? Who cares? I have this friend who he's all about politics, right? And some of us here are all about politics, Um, but he's all about politics. So every time I talk to him, he's always, okay, I want to talk about blah, 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 blah. And he just goes off the hook and he gets angry about it. If blah, blah, blah happens, this is what's going to happen. And if this happens, this is going to happen. And if this happens, this is, and then he gets angry and starts pulling out his hair and like, he's ah, politics, you know? And, And it's just like, dude, it's Palm Sunday. You know, like Palm Sunday. And if you get what Palm Sunday is, it takes you back to, you don't have to pretend of being in a time, right? A time of there's political upheaval. This time that our economy is not that good. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to pretend that we're concerned about our kids and our kids' future. And we don't have to pretend like these things are happening and they've always happened. And we don't have to pretend to understand the prophecy of the prophet Zechariah when he says, hey, chill out. There's a guy coming on a donkey and he's the king of kings. He's over that. He's in charge of all this. Chill out. And he's not coming for, for a, for a, term, a presidential term, or two-year term, or the eight-year term. He's coming for an eternal term, and, and it's cool. Like, things are bad. We get it, but the king of kings, like, who is your king? Who, you know? Like, who is your king? Look at that one, because if you put your eyes on Jesus as coming in as king, the, chill out. Chill out. You know, because he is and it is good. And so it gives us the opportunity to take off our cloaks and say it's his. Our spiritual life is his. And it gives us the the chance to cut down the palm trees and say, okay, he's going to be our king because that's not happening, you know? And the palm branches come out. And furthermore, it gives us a chance to put down our fears, put down our fears and say, it's Palm Sunday. And so for some of us here, you had no idea today was Palm Sunday. And just like the people in the Bible, they had no idea it was Palm Sunday. But guys, it's Palm Sunday. And this is the day that you get to celebrate and proclaim Christ is King. Christ is King. And all the implications that hang on to the idea of Christ being your King or your President, I mean, put in the, what would it be like if Jesus is your president? Because I don't care, you know? What would it be like? That's Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is something that had been prophesied about super long time ago by, by the prophet Zechariah. It's something, the, the, the kingship of Christ had been celebrated by the disciples and by the city of Jerusalem. And furthermore, Palm Sunday is being celebrated today by Christ's community church and the church global with all the things and all the truths, not, not who Christ had been, 
but who Christ had been, who is, and will forever be. This is our opportunity to say, I don't care because he does. It's I don't have to be afraid because he's here. It's our opportunity just to say all the fears, all the pains, all the doubts, all the trust I put in everything else, I don't have to. He rides on a donkey. It's not a BMW. And our hope is here. The king of the physical, the king of the spiritual, the king of me. What if Jesus was the king of you and you actually believed it? Because the truth about Jesus is not only that he was someone who had been, but he's someone who is and who will forever be. So I'm gonna invite us to stand up, please. And there's this, the image of Palm Sunday that's gonna happen in the future um, that the Bible talks about. And I love the idea of, of Palm Sunday being prophesied and Palm Sunday happening and we're participating in it. And furthermore, Palm Sunday is gonna happen. Check out this passage. It's in the book of Revelation 5, 7 through 10. So as a congregation, let's proclaim this together. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne, before the lamb. And they were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. I want us to just proclaim that a couple times. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God, you hold salvation in our hands. God, you are the, the savior, the king of the physical, the king of the spiritual. Salvation belongs to you. Thank you for Palm Sunday. Thank you for your triumphant entry. And thank you for bringing us along. You are our king, the king of kings.